The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Today's scripture will be from uh, Luke 2, 8 through 20. You can follow along in the Bibles on your seats if you don't have your own. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Uh, Father, we uh, pray once again as a congregation this morning, this Sunday before Christmas. um, There's a lot of stuff going on. There's people in town. There's people out of town. There are people who are on their way in and out of town. There's gift buying to be done, wrapping, uh, giving. There are meals and dishes to be made and dishes to be cleaned and uh, a million tiny little details just in this one room that are represented. And uh, Father, uh, as we take this hour and a half this morning, I pray that you would speak to us Thank you, your presence was already here, and I pray that you would lead us and teach us this morning. You would speak to my heart, as well as uh, the hearts of each person that are here, that you would meet each person right where they are. Uh, It's a season that is full of uh, hopes and joys, but also uh, fears and disappointments. For many of us, Christmas doesn't look like the, the lifetime specials. For each person where they are, I pray you would meet them, meet us this morning. And then we pray, amen. I think it's ironic that this month, it's the theme so far this morning, but this month is, for most people, probably the most hectic month of the year. I think it's ironic because it's the month that we set aside to celebrate peace and joy, right? And most of us, when we picture like the idyllic Christmas setting, it's not, you know, realizing that you don't have a, a ham or, you know, cr- Christmas Eve where you're wrapping the, flur- furiously wrapping the last few gifts and you realize that you left out grandma and you got to go get her something and you end up fighting around at Walmart or the mall uh, for the for the last, you know, neck massager or whatever it is that you're trying to figure out that you're going to be able to give grandma that she's just going to stick in her back room and, you know, never even use because she can't figure out how it works. But 
it's, and this is so ironic to me that what we picture as being the idyllic thing, it ends up being so different. And not only like, does this month end up being the most, for many of us, the most hectic month, but this week, right now, this moment, if it hasn't already started, like it is now like it's Super Bowl week for Christmas stuff, right? I mean, my wife was out, Megan was out yesterday, and she needed to run an errand, but it wasn't like super pressing, and she drove up into the mall parking lot and had trouble finding a parking space and said, like, it's not worth it. I'm just going to go somewhere else, and we just won't do whatever it was that she was looking for. I'll go to another store. It, it is crazy at this moment. Some of you have family coming in. Some of you are getting ready to go out. Some of you have uh, meals that you're planning and trying to put together. It is a frenetic pace, not only this month, but even more so this week. And it's crazy because this is the month, this is the season that we're celebrating peace. We're wishing for peace. We're celebrating. We're hoping for peace. We're longing for it. And it's so crazy because the very, the very things that we use to celebrate peace and joy coming end up being the things that end up adding more and more stress to our lives and to our hearts. Like giving gifts should be, like it's supposed to be in its purest form, a way to celebrate how Christ gave us uh, his God gave us Christ, Christ gave us his life, we have new life in him, and so therefore we celebrate that by giving gifts to each other, and yet that can be a huge form of stress. We get together with family to have a feast and celebrate his coming, and yet that in itself can be stressful. The cooking, the family itself, we're longing for that peace, though. We're longing for peace for our world, for our nation. Just think about the events that are going on and have been going on right now that are fresh in our minds where we're longing for peace. If there was just peace in our world, peace in our nation, and even more so, peace in our hearts, in our minds. I don't know about you, but I could really use peace in my heart and in my mind. And yet I am even in this season, even in this week, even in this morning, because I'm supposed to be worshiping and celebrating Christ this Sunday, this holy Sunday before Christmas Eve, yet even in the back of my mind, there is a lack of peace as thoughts and worries and questions are running around in the back of my head. Some about mundane things and some about big things that are going through our hearts and minds. The beauty of Christmas is that we see more clearly the longing of humanity for a peace and joy that transcends what we normally experience. It's the subject of our songs. It's why we get together and ideal, we decorate our houses and we have, I, try to make idyllic settings for us to celebrate together. So it's beautiful that we see how we long for that. And yet the frustration of Christmas is that we can't get there. We turn the very things that are meant to celebrate peace and joy or further peace and joy into the very things that light fuses for our selfishness and our anger and our discontent. What we find in this passage, though, is so beautiful and speaks to us so clearly this morning. It's, it's difficult preaching Christmas. It's difficult thinking about Christmas as Christians, right? Right? Because we've heard the story so many times. 
Even if you haven't been a Christian for very long, you've heard the story a million times. The Charlie Brown Christmas show has been airing for what, like 50 years? And every year, Charlie Brown is searching for the meaning of Christmas. And every year, Linus gets up in the dark and he calls the lights and somebody's up in the lights and cuts the lights off and puts a spotlight on him. And he and his blanket, he goes, tells the story, Luke chapter two. It's this beautiful monologue. It's the height of the, of the special. So we hear it, but yet sometimes we don't hear it. But yet we see in this passage, not just a cute little monologue of a cartoon Linus and the Charlie Brown Christmas story, but we see in this passage three things at least that we're gonna talk about this morning. We see the need for peace. We see the dawn of peace. And we see the hope. We see the need for peace, the dawn of peace, and the hope for peace. By the way, whoever's running the slides, I don't have the right slides up there this week, so just we can stay on this one. The need for peace, the dawn of peace, and the hope for peace. Look look at this. When the shepherds see, this is is really fascinating to me. when the shepherds see the angels, they're sitting there, which by the way, just to, to give you a, a clue in already that we've, we've touched on the past few weeks, shepherds were the outcasts of society. Not just outcasts of society, but they were outcasts of society on purpose. They were generally untrustworthy. A shepherd's, uh, a shepherd's a witness was not allowed in a court of law at this time because they were considered that kind of person. And so to these shepherds who are untrustworthy, who are outcasts, who are hanging around with a, deep, with a dirty, smelly sheep in the middle of the night, hanging out to them, all of a sudden, like, make you pee in your pants, crazy kind of thing happens, that angel appears out of nowhere. Like, we think, like, oh, isn't that cute? Like, it's Charlie Brown and Linus is telling the story, but it is, it would be horrifyingly scary, right? Like, it would be incredibly scary, and that's why the angel, the first thing he says whenever he shows up, and the angel Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The wording there in the original language, I'm not an original language scholar, but I have a software that tells me this. It says, it says they were filled with great fear. That says they, were, they feared with great fear. It's a double word. Like, that's how scared they are. They were doubly afraid. Like, change your pants kind of afraid. And that makes sense, right? But it's, it's, something, it's something more. Why, after this, after the, after the initial, like, fear is over, and these shepherds realize, like, there's an angel here that's appeared to, to us in the middle of this field, you would think then, after the initial fear, there would be an excitement, like, this is really cool. This is amazing. The glory of the Lord is shining, is shining around us. But it's interesting what happens, and it happens every time that heaven visits earth that we see in Scripture. Every time heaven visits earth, human beings are filled with great fear. And it's really, it's really sad because that's not the way it's supposed to be. But that's what happens when heaven meets earth now. Because see, heaven and earth are in a state of war against each other. And so when heaven visits earth, it doesn't fill you with warm fuzzies. It scares the bejesus out of us because we know that we've met someone who is greater than us 
and we know that we've met someone who we're opposed to. That light, the glory that shines around them, it should have been a comforting, beautiful thing. We see in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, it says they were clothed with the glory of God. They weren't even aware that they didn't have clothes on because the glory of God was around them. But whenever they sinned, that glory was pulled away and their nakedness was exposed and they felt alienated from God and they hid from him and they started to blame each other. The vertical shalom or peace, which is what this wording points back to in the Old Testament, is the word shalom, which means not just like peace, like we think about it like like a lack of hostility between people, but it means there being a wholeness. It means being the way things should be. It means what we picture our Christmas gatherings to be before it breaks out into, you know, Grandpa John farting in the middle of with the, the turkey and dressing and Aunt Shirley goes on her political rant and the kids start running around and going crazy and the dog comes in and you go into the kitchen, you figure out that the cat's been licking off the, the cake and you try to figure out like, am I gonna serve the cake now to the family? Are we gonna act like it didn't happen or do we scrap it all? We serve little Debbie snack cakes? Like, what do we do now? It's the shalom, that peace, that wholeness, the way things should be that we long for. That's what the peace is talking about here. But ever since we were made to be in perfect shalom with God, that and we sinned against him, that vertical harmony has been broken and that brought a horizontal disarm, disharmony. So now there's a natural yet unnatural repulsion between us and heaven. There's a natural yet unnatural repulsion between us and heaven. When we hear about who God is and what he has done for us, the first response that we have to that is a repulsion. And that's the thing that the shepherds felt very acutely at this night in the middle of this this feel when the glory of the Lord shones round about them and the angel appears to them and says, don't be afraid, I have good news for you. They feel a repulsion because all of a sudden you realize I am in opposition to God. God is telling me a way to go. He's, he is saying that he is a Lord and I am not, and I'm not cool with that. It's like when we hear, actually, ever, ever met somebody that just from the very beginning, the first few sentences they say to you, you're like, I don't like this person. It may be what they said or the way they said it. It may be the way they approached you or what they are wearing, but something, and, and the more they talk, the more you're around them, the more it confirms your suspicions that we do not like each other or I do not like this person. We are on opposite ends. If, we, if I continue in this conversation, it is not going to end well. Maybe that, and usually that person is assigned a cubicle next to you. You just can't stand them. There's a natural repulsion. It's like, it's like magnets that pointed the wrong direction. They just push against each other. And by nature now, we have a natural repulsion against God. And yet it's unnatural because that's not the way it was made to be. And that's why we have a longing for peace or shalom or wholeness, but yet we can never get there. 
There's a natural yet unnatural repulsion that we also see here in this encounter. There's a natural yet unnatural apprehension. I read an article in this past week about uh, the, the man whose job it is to uh, handle like social engagement for the president and the first lady and how uh, one of the, it's one of the most awkward jobs in the country because one of his jobs is during the holiday season and the different sort of like uh, parties and uh, uh, mixers that, the, that are thrown at the White House for members of Congress and high-ranking officials and whatnot, the, the headline of those, of those events are the receiving line to meet the president and the first lady. And how you're waiting in line for minutes and hours in order to just to shake the hand, take a picture, and to move on. But how awkward people get whenever they get in the presence of, no matter who the president and first lady is, how awkward they are when they get to the presence of the president and the first lady. How even people who have been opponents of the president, they had a cool story about how a man who was leading the impeachment hearings against Bill Clinton in the 90s then turns around and he's standing in the receiving line to meet the president, and he stands with the president and the first lady to get their picture taken. After all year long, he's been trying to lead impeachment hearings against him. How opponents of the president and first lady, how when they get their president, will often get starstruck. They want selfies. They want to have a conversation with them and the awkward kind of maneuverings that go there. There's a sort of an apprehension, a sort of a starstruckness to being in the presence of someone great. And that's the sort of feeling that these shepherds have when they're standing or sitting in this field in the middle of the night and the angel appears and the glory of God shines around them. But at the heart of that, that we all have, is a fear that the, that the light of God exposes us for who we really are. Because when we stand in the presence of an all-knowing God, we know he knows it all. He's seen it all. There's no thought or intent of my heart that can be hidden. There's no thing I have done that he has not seen and does not know. There's nothing I will do in the future that he does not know at this moment. And there's a fear of being exposed for who we really are. In the need for peace, we see rebellion. We see earth against heaven. The next thing we see is not just the need for peace, we see the dawn of peace. That's the headline from this encounter. The headline of this encounter is not that a cool angelic choir showed up and sang to some shepherds one night. The, the cool part of this isn't that, hey, when Jesus was born, shepherds heard an angelic song. The headline of this story is the message that the angel delivers to them after he says, don't be afraid. It's the message that caused the rest of the angels to appear and to break out into song. Look at what he says. He says, don't be afraid any longer. Why? Because I bring you good news of great joy. This is why you shouldn't be afraid any longer. Fear not. Behold, hear what I'm saying. This is why you shouldn't be afraid. I bring you good news of great 
joy. I bring you good news of great joy. And what's that news? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's why you shouldn't be afraid any longer. Here's why even though you stand here in the glory of God and you feel like you're uh, you feel a natural repulsion against you. You feel an apprehension. You're wondering, you feel exposed. You feel dirty. You feel alone and you feel like you're in the dark. You feel like you're opposed to God because you are. Here is the good news. Here's three parts of this good news. Number one, a savior has come for you. Unto you was born this day in the city of David a savior. There's the, the two great news is at the beginning of that and the, and the middle of that when he says a savior, a savior who has come to you for unto you is born, unto you is born. That is the good news is the dawn of peace at Christmas on this night that the, causes the angel to show up and give them news and causes them, the choir to sing afterwards. A savior has come for you. In your darkness, in your longing for peace, and each of us has a personal darkness. Each of us has our own story that we've gone through. Each of us has our own hurts that we have been through. Each of us have our own ways that we have been treated wrongly. Each of us have uh, our own ways that we have wronged God and wronged other people, things that we have done and are doing now. That's our personal darkness. But hear this good news to you and to me in each of our personal darkness, each of our personal nights. We're like the shepherds. We are going about doing the mundane things, and yet in the deepest part of who we are, what we're really looking for is we're really, as we're keeping watch, we're really looking for peace. The good news is to you, a Savior has come. You're not stuck in your own personal darkness in your own quest for, to try to find peace and joy, you're not alone there. A Savior has come to rescue you from your darkness. And here's the second part of that good news. A Savior has come to, for, for you, but secondly, here's the Savior. He is the Lord. The Lord came for you. That's the good news. He didn't just send somebody else to help you. He himself came for you. That puts incredible value on your life. Not because something intrinsic in you that is great, because honestly, let's be honest with ourselves at this moment. Most of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, we can say, Look, on my good day, I'm an okay guy or I'm an okay gal. But on my average day, eh, not so much. And on my worst day, I'm a piece of fill in the blank. We have very little intrinsic value whenever we think about it. But your value is placed upon you not because of what you are able to do, or who you even will become, your value is based upon the price that was paid for you and the one, capital O, who came for you. 
a savior has come for you, but it's the Lord himself. It's the incarnation. God came to rescue you and to rescue me. That's incredible news. A savior has come for you. He's the Lord. But then here's the, you can kind of look over this, but when he says, unto you is born this day, a savior. A savior's come, he's the Lord, but here's the crazy, cool, good news that makes it amazing news. It makes it news worth an angel choir singing for. He was born. The Lord came, and yet he was born. He became a human being. He was incarnated, God incarnated into a human form. So as this little baby who is at this point in the story in a, some sort of a manger surrounded by animals, as he would grow, he would experience pain. He would experience loss. He would experience abuse. He would experience the toils of life. He would experience death by losing loved ones. He would see people suffer. And he himself would suffer. The Lord came for you, but he came humbly and lowly for you and for me. That's how much he is invested in you and in me and in this world that he would take on flesh. He came as one of us to us. In the incarnation, heaven visits earth. It's the dawn of peace to our darkness. It's the first real clear break of light that we see in the horizon in human, in human history. Since the fall, as he comes and the angels show up and the glory of God shines, it's the dawn of hope. It's the dawn of peace for you and for me. Light is breaking. That's why we put lights on our Christmas tree and lights on our houses and we light candles because it's celebrating light coming to darkness. It's hope, it's peace that has dawned in our world and in our hearts. At this moment, we see peace dawning in a dark world. That's why we celebrate because rays of light have pierced our darkness. And yet, even though we see the need for peace and we see the dawn of peace that happens on this night that we're reading about, a lot of time has passed since then and things still look pretty dark. Think about the headlines from just the past few weeks. Our, work is, our world is dark and for moments, it may, be, it may seem to get better, but then tragedy crashes in on our lives, and we realize the world is not getting any better. 
At least it feels that way. What's the deal? Christ came 2,000 years ago and peace dawned in that. But yet, let's hear what the angelic choir is saying in response to the good news of a Savior. Where we see here, we see the hope of peace. In verse 14, after the, the first angel comes up and he says, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. Verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, the, so this news was worth singing about from this angelic choir. Verse 14, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The good news that they're singing about is that not only did we have a need for peace and we see peace dawning whenever Christ shows up and heaven visits earth, but we see not just heaven visiting earth, but we see heaven in earth. And that's the hope of peace for us. Because Christ came not just to pay the penalty that you owed on the cross, but he came to make you new, to renew us from the very innermost part of our being. The good news of Christmas isn't that heaven came to visit earth, but as we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are born anew. You are born again. Christ's presence come to dwell in us and among us. You and I are regenerated whenever we become a believer, when we become a Christian. It's not just something that we mentally believe and so therefore we sign a card, but it's something miraculous that happens in the very core of who we are. You are remade, reborn from the very innermost part of your being. You are regenerated. Heaven didn't just come to visit earth at Christmas. Heaven has come to dwell in earth, in us. Dust we have come from and dust we will return and we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What? That God's presence has come to dwell in us as believers. Heaven didn't just visit earth but heaven came to dwell in earth at Christmas. And that is the hope for peace. It dawned on that night, but the hope for the world for peace is that Christ is in you and I and in the millions and billions of believers on the face of the earth today. His presence is in and among his people In regeneration, we have a foretaste of heaven on earth. We have a foretaste of heaven on earth or in earth. You and I as believers, we, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the, the, the still broken system that surrounds us, we have a, a new way of seeing and thinking about God and about ourselves and about the world and about other people that empowers us to not just try to 
forced peace. We have a new peace with God that enables us as the harmony between, the vertical harmony between us and God is reestablished. We can now have a harmony between us horizontally. So among gatherings of believers, people can see and you and I can experience a self-sacrificing love between believers that transcends the world system. A foretaste for us to taste, to experience what that shalom, that peace is like and knowing that that's gonna come fully at a later time. But we have that foretaste now and a foretaste for the people around us who encounter us in our community of faith, in our communities of faith all around the world when they encounter us and they see us living from a different kind of value system, a different kind of love, a different kind of humility. They taste it and it tastes like heaven. In regeneration, we have a foretaste of heaven in earth In regeneration, we have a down payment of heaven and earth. Here's the exciting thing. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. And I don't know how you feel about the state of the world right now. There are a lot of people who are very scared right now. A lot of people who feel like the the nation, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And it throws people off makes us concerned about the future. But here's the beauty of hope for the believer that's dawned in our heart, that we don't have to question the future. Because whatever lies between now and the time when Christ returns again, we know he's returning again. And our assurance of that is that he's come already. And though there are times where I doubt and there are times where I struggle I had taste as a believer, a foretaste of heaven, a foretaste of presence with him, a foretaste of shalom, that I know that it's coming to fruition at the down payment whenever he returns. Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody ever used layaway before? That, that store can be assured that you're coming back because you've invested money in that product. And you can be assured that you're gonna get that product because you've invested money with that company. And when it's paid off, you get the full deal. And you and I have that except we get to taste it now. Lastly, in regeneration, the world has a preview of heaven and earth. Our whole Society, our whole culture gathers around this time of year and tries to create scenes, almost like in a play or a movie, scenes of peace and joy. But the scenes often break down, and, they, and even if we, we get them, they just don't last for very long and they fade away. But it's just scenery. But in the life of believers, the world should see a preview of what it's like for heaven to be united in earth and for heaven and nature to once again sing in harmony together. 
joy to the world. The Lord is come. Therefore, heaven and nature can once again sing together in harmony. And that's why we see at the end. Verse 17, and when they saw it, that lowly baby in the manger, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. How much more should we as believers who have this treasure in earthen vessels, who have this presence of God in us and among us, should the world see a preview of heaven and nature singing together in harmony. We have a taste, but the feast is coming. That's Christmas. It's the taste, but the feast is coming. Light has shone, but one day light will overcome the darkness. And that's the good news. this morning as I pray and the band comes up. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've grown up around church or maybe you don't usually go to church. Maybe this morning to you and your longing for hope and peace and joy, true joy, true peace, true hope, you can hear the message that to us in our personal darkness, the dawn has come. And there's a hope, a peace that dwells in us and among us as believers. And would you confess your sins to him, accept his sacrifice for you on your behalf, and be born anew this morning. And for those of us who are believers this morning, maybe first of all, we would just be reminded that that this season that we're celebrating is celebrating something much bigger than our family gatherings It's celebrating light coming to darkness. It's celebrating the dawn of peace and the presence of peace in our hearts, that hope of peace for the world. And as we leave here, maybe we can commit ourselves and maybe you can spend some time in prayer before we get ready for communion. Maybe you can spend some time in prayer to think about, God, how, how can I be, as we go through and we leave Christmas on the other side, how can I be, a person who presents the hope of peace to my friends and my neighbors and my coworkers and my family members so they will see a foretaste. They will have a foretaste. They will see a down payment and a preview of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, we gather this morning, this Christmas Sunday, God, I pray that you would uh, refresh our hearts and our minds, that you've come for us, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, a heaven in earth that is a foretaste of that which is to come. God, your first coming, your first Christmas, your first advent points to your second coming, your second advent. Father, I pray for us this morning that we would just be encouraged by that, that we'd be awakened to that, 
that any person who is here has never placed their faith and trust in you would hear that good news of great joy which should be to all people that a Savior has, has come, he's been born and he's come to, to us and come for us. Awaken our hearts to the fact that heaven has come to earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.